This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Happy New Year and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. This is episode 310, entitled, Is Jesus the Root or Shoot of David? Now, as I mentioned last week before the episode, there was a big announcement that was going to be issued forth on January 1st, and if you haven't heard, the announcement is this. I have officially signed a contract to publish my book, Wisdom Christology in the Gospel of John. It's already written. Just taken this month to go through all of the style guidelines of the publisher and to make sure that my manuscript fits the sort of thing that they are looking for. And this particular volume, Wisdom Christology in the Gospel of John, will be, without a doubt, the most thorough treatment on the exploration of how pervasive Wisdom Christology is within the fourth gospel. Not just in the prologue. I'm going to show you how the Johannine Jesus and the portrayal of the Johannine Jesus in the Gospel of John is indebted to the Jewish wisdom literature in all 21 chapters of the Gospel of John. So if you're a biblical Unitarian who has been longing for a good resource on the Gospel of John, this is something that you will not want to miss. So please look forward to the release of this book in the spring of 2024. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. There are two passages in the book of Revelation that are regularly translated in a way suggesting that Jesus is the pre-existing root of David, meaning that Jesus came chronologically before David on the family tree. Jesus would be the root of David. Now, most readers just skim over these passages, and they seem to be unaware of the problem that the translation has raised. So this week's episode will look at whether John the Revelator intended to portray Jesus as the root of David, in other words, as David's ancestor, or as the shoot of David, namely David's biological descendant. And the implications for the ongoing subject of Jesus' preexistence are clearly at stake in this matter. So, does the book of Revelation depict the Lamb of God as literally preexisting the famous Israelite King David? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the two disputed passages in the book of Revelation. So these passages are Revelation 5.5 and 22.16. Let's go ahead and read them out of the New American Standard Version. Revelation 5.5 says, And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. That's chapter 5, verse 5. And if we look at chapter 22, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root 
and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. So there you have it, two passages that claim that Jesus is the root of David. This would mean that David would come chronologically after the root on the metaphor of a family tree, meaning that Jesus would pre-exist David. So, is this what this particular passage is supposed to convey to the readers? Is the author trying to say that Jesus pre-existed David on the family tree? Well, we have to look a little bit deeper. So, one of the interesting things is that the David tree symbolism has its origins, dare I say, it has its roots in the Hebrew Bible. And the most famous passage in which we can look at would be Isaiah chapter 11. So let's move to our second point. Point number two, the root of the title within the Hebrew Bible. So there are two passages in Isaiah chapter 11 that I want to kind of focus on as we kind of get at the root. There's really no way that I can avoid this unintentional pun. Get at the root of this phrase that we keep seeing in the book of Revelation. So in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 we read, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. That's Isaiah 11 verse 1. So in the Hebrew poetry we have parallelism here, and so we have the phrase shoot that will spring from the stem of Jesse as the first line, and that of course is an offspring of this Jesse figure. And the second line that is set in parallel to the first line says that there will be a branch from his roots. Whose roots? Well, Jesse's roots. So clearly, the image in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 indicates an offspring of Jesse, not someone who is chronologically preceding Jesse. So let's look at these two words in Hebrew. So the first one, the word shoot, is the Hebrew noun hoter, and it is only used twice in the Hebrew Bible, and it only means shoot, namely the offshoot of a tree, something that stems out, very similar to a branch. And that's why the corresponding word is netzer, and this is a little bit more frequent in terms of occurrences in the Hebrew Bible, and that's the word that gets translated as branch. Now, with both of these Hebrew nouns, they only have one meaning. They mean a shoot, a sprout, an offshoot, a branch, something like that. They can't refer to something like a root. So in the Hebrew that seems to originate these passages in Revelation, the terms that are used in synonymous parallelism don't actually point to the definition of a root of David, meaning someone who would pre-exist David on the family tree. It would indicate someone who would go after. Now, let's talk a little bit about Jesse. Of course, Jesse is David's father. You're probably familiar with that if you read through 1 Samuel. And so this imagery here of the offspring of Jesse is pointing towards David, but of course it's pointing a little bit further than David as to the descendant of David, the son of David, who of course is going to be the promised messianic king. 
Now, something we do need to know about this passage in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, is that the Septuagint has to translate these Hebrew words into a corresponding Greek word. And the word that gets used in Greek is the noun Riza. And Riza, unlike the two Hebrew words, is far more ambiguous. Riza can actually have two different meanings. So Riza can indeed refer to an offshoot, as the two corresponding Hebrew nouns mean. They mean an offshoot, and Riza can mean that. But Riza can also refer to a root. Now, how would the translator know which of these two was intended by the author? How will you know if you're reading this Greek noun Riza, whether it refers to the root, as in something that pre-exists the tree, or the offshoot, something that branches off of the tree? Answer, well, you'll have to look at the context. Now, when you pull up the noun Riza in the BDAG lexicon, basically the most authoritative lexicon that we have for New Testament studies, we can see both of these definitions. It gives two primary definitions. It gives, number one, the underground part of a plant, a root. And it gives a variety of places in the New Testament to where this noun means that. It means a root, and we'll talk about some of those. The second definition that it gives is that which grows from a root, a shoot, a scion, in our literature and imagery, a descendant. And what's interesting is that in the second definition, the thing that grows out of a root, namely a shoot or a descendant, it gives the examples of our two passages in Revelation, Revelation 5.5 and Revelation 22.16. And so that is quite interesting. So the word is ambiguous. It can't both mean a root and a shoot at the same time. That would be some sort of imagery that wouldn't make any sort of sense. So when it's used by the biblical writer, it has to mean one or the other, and the context is going to determine that. And one of the things that I'm trying to point out is that part of the context of these references in Revelation 5.5 and 22.16 involve Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 where it seems that this root language is being used to describe a descendant of Jesse not someone who pre-exists Jesse on the family tree now we're talking about Isaiah chapter 11 if you look a few verses later in chapter 11 verse 10 we can see this imagery reappear 11 verse 10 says then in that day the nations will resort to the root of Jesse, who will stand as a signal for the peoples, and his resting place will be glorious. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. So here we can see that there's a figure called the root of Jesse, and the nations, the Gentiles, are going to turn to this particular figure, and the figure is going to take a stand for the peoples, and, of course, he's going to have a glorious resting place. Now, if we are asking the historical question, to whom did these two passages, Isaiah 11 verse 1 and 11 verse 10, 
refer in Isaiah's own context? If we're asking that historical question, we have to give the answer that Isaiah was specifically referring to King Hezekiah. However, after Hezekiah's death and the life and tenure of Hezekiah didn't bring about these particular promises, Jewish interpreters began to give the passages a much more thorough messianic interpretation. They would look forward to the ultimate son of Jesse, the ultimate descendant of David, namely the promised Jewish Messiah. And since Hezekiah was the originally intended referent, we know for a fact that the Hebrew phrase indicated an offspring or a shoot, not a figure that existed chronologically before Jesse, because Hezekiah came after Jesse on that family line, in the line of David. So originally in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 11, verse 10, the phrase had to refer to an offspring or a shoot. It couldn't refer to a root. Now, the root of Jesse is clearly pointing to David, that is Jesse's son. And as I've mentioned already, the son of David title grew to have a very thorough and powerful messianic meaning, referring to the one Davidic king who would come to fulfill the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel 7, basically verses 12 through 16. Let me read the relevant passages. So in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, this is God speaking through the prophet Nathan to King David about his descendant. So in chapter 7, verse 12, it says, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. That's 2 Samuel 7, verse 12. And so here, the son of David, the descendant of David, is someone who is, quote, going to come forth from you. He's going to come forth from David. He's not going to be someone who pre-exists David on the family tree. He's going to come after David. And then when the chronicler gets a hold of 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, this is how the chronicler reinterprets the passage in 1 Chronicles 17, verse 11. When your days are fulfilled, that you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up one of your descendants after you, who will be one of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. That's First Chronicles 17, verse 11. So we have Second Samuel 7, verse 12, saying that the descendant will come forth from David, and First Chronicles 17, verse 11, interprets the Davidic covenant as a descendant who will be of David's sons. So we can see that the imagery involving the family tree of David, specifically a messianic figure coming from the family of David, is going to be someone who comes after David. He's going to come forth from David. He's going to be one of David's sons. And this further points in the direction that the promised Messiah is not someone who pre-exists David on the family tree in the sense that a root would pre-exist a tree. It would be someone who would come after David in the sense of a branch. And now a branch stems out from a tree that is already there. So let's look into the New Testament and see how the Greek noun Riza 
is used. This is our third point. Point number three, examples of the Greek noun reza in the New Testament. So remember, the Greek noun reza is the ambiguous noun. That's the one that could mean a root or could mean a shoot. So let's look at some examples. So in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, John the Baptist says, Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, so every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Luke chapter 3, verse 9. So if I was just reading this in Greek and I would come across that the axe is already laid at the reza of the trees, I would be able to read it and see, okay, this is clearly referring to a root. It couldn't refer to an offshoot or a branch. Clearly, the axe is not laid at the branch of the trees. That doesn't make any sense. Obviously, you have to cut down the entire tree, and you don't do so by chopping off a single branch. You get at the root of the tree. So the context there would make it very clear that Riza in Luke chapter 3, verse 9 would clearly refer to a root. I don't think there's any controversy there. Later in the Gospel of Luke, Chapter 8, verse 13, we have Jesus' parable of the sower, and he says, Those on the rocky soil are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no firm root. They believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Luke chapter 8, verse 13. Okay, so within this parable, Jesus is talking about planting seeds, and he describes certain persons who have no firm Greek noun, reza. And so they believe for a while, and in time of temptation, they fall away. Now, it wouldn't make sense that these people don't have a firm branch, a branch from a tree. That just doesn't make any sense. I think it's obvious that their root is not firm, and that's why when they are growing, they aren't going to last very long, because their root is not very stable. So again, the context would make it abundantly clear that it means root in this case. Let's look at an interesting example. Let's move to Romans, because Paul gives us some very interesting insights on this noun. So in Romans chapter 11, verse 16, he says, if the first piece of the dough is holy, the lump is also. And if the root is holy, the branches are too. That's Romans 11 verse 16. So here we can see at least the second part of the verse. He says, if the root, namely the reza, if the reza is holy, then the branches are too. Okay, so if I'm just reading this in Greek, what do I think that the Greek noun reza means? It says, if the reza is holy, the branches are too. So I don't think that the word reza here would mean branches, because it would be a little odd to say that if the branches are holy, the branches are too. That doesn't make any sense. And, of course, the parallelism with the first part of the verse indicates that if there's a first piece of dough, then the entire lump is also going to be holy. Namely, we can see that the first piece affects the second piece. What makes the most sense of that? Well, it would make sense with the root being the first piece and the branches being the second piece. So it would be abundantly clear, reading Romans 11, verse 16, that the word reza means root, not branch. However, when we get later in Romans, we see something pretty fascinating. In chapter 15, verse 12, Paul says, 
And Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 12. So Paul here is citing Isaiah. And he indicates that there's going to be a messianic figure, someone who's going to arise, someone who's going to rule the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are going to hope in him. We have this reminiscent piece of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10, to where the Gentiles or the peoples of the nations are going to hope and see their standard in this particular figure, the root of Jesse. However, we have the word Reza here, and the question is, is this the root of Jesse, someone who is chronologically before Jesse? Is that really what's taking place here? It doesn't seem to make sense, because back in Isaiah, the Reza of Jesse is his descendant. It's someone that comes after him. It's someone that comes from David's family line, and David comes after Jesse. In the original reference to the root of Jesse, at least in Isaiah chapter 11, was Hezekiah, and it only later came to be understood by Jews and Christians to be a promise of the Messiah. So what we can see in Romans 15 is that by drawing on this language of Isaiah to where the Hebrew parts of Isaiah indicates a branch, an offshoot, a descendant, I think that we would translate Romans 15, verse 12, that there shall come the shoot of Jesse, someone who comes after, not someone that comes chronologically before Jesse. And what also is interesting is that we now have two references in Romans that indicate that a single author, namely the Apostle Paul, could use the very same word in two different ways without forcing the readers to pick one definition and force the other instance of the word to mean the same as the very first definition. Paul seemed to be quite capable of using a word that's ambiguous and hoping that the reader would look at the context. And of course, the context here also includes the context of the Hebrew Bible to determine if Reza meant root or if it meant branch. At least in 15 verse 12, because it's drawing on Isaiah chapter 11, it seems that the word Reza means the branch of Jesse, the shoot of Jesse. And it's also important to note that the link with the Greek noun Reza and the Jesse slash David was already possessing a messianic meaning, a descendant of Jesse, a descendant of David. And this is what the BDAG lexicon had indicated for us, and we're actually seeing evidence for such a reading. I should have pointed out that Romans chapter 15, verse 12 was mentioned in the second category of definitions in the BDAG lexicon, that which grows from a root, a shoot, a scion, or a descendant. Romans 15, verse 12 did not fall in line with the first definition in the BDAG lexicon, namely the underground part of a plant, a root. Let's keep looking to the New Testament. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. 1 Timothy 6, 10. Okay, I think it's clear there in the context that Reza means root. If it was to mean branch, it wouldn't make much sense. The love of money is a branch of all sorts of evil. No, I think it's pretty clear 
that route was intended. There doesn't seem to be any argument there. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, we read, See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So again, I think it's pretty clear, based on the context and the evidence, that this means root. It is something that springs up. And I don't think that the translation branch of bitterness springing up would be a better case or a more persuasive case than translating Riza as root. So, what are we to do with the two Revelation passages? Let's circle back around to the book of Revelation, even though we started with it. And by circling back around, I mean going to the last book in the canon. So let's weigh both options. Let's look at the passages and see, okay, which one makes more sense? Root or shoot? So Revelation chapter 5, verse 5 describes Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah and the Reza of David. That's our ambiguous word. So what do you know about the lion of the tribe of Judah? Well, that, of course, is a messianic promise based on Genesis 49, verses 8 through 10. It indicates a descendant of Judah. The line of the tribe of Judah is a descendant of Judah. So if we are to understand the Riza of David to mean root, then Jesus would be someone who came forth from Judah while being in the biological line that brought forth David. So the question you have to ask yourself is, is Jesus a figure in the line of Judah that came between Judah and David? He came after Judah, but before David? No, I don't think that makes much sense. But that's how a lot of these translations are leading us to believe, and it just is nonsensical. Now, since we know that when the noun Riza is connected to David in the Hebrew Bible, that it indicates a shoot or an offspring. And we know that Paul has already used it in this particular way. So it seems to make much better sense in Revelation 5.5 to say that Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah and the shoot of David, the branch of David. He's a descendant of Judah and a descendant of David, not a descendant of Judah and someone who came before David in the same family line. Again, remember, if you're going to insist on the translation root, you have to say that Jesus was in the biological line that brought forth David and Jesse. Let's look at chapter 22, verse 16. This has Jesus saying in the first person, I am the Riza and the descendant of David. Okay, so the reference to the descendant of David is clear but we're left with the same problem that we saw back in chapter 5, verse 5 in this reference. If Riza means root, then Jesus is both the root, meaning someone who came before David in David's family line, and he's also the descendant of David, someone who came after David in the family line. And this is, quite frankly, contradictory nonsense. Jesus cannot be in the family tree and be before David and also after David. That doesn't make any sense at all. So I think it's far more likely that the intended interpretation of Revelation 22.16 is that Jesus is the shoot and the descendant of David. 
namely the branch and the descendant of David. And the conjunction translated and, the conjunction K, would be exegetical, meaning that the word K is understood as an even. It would be that I am the shoot even the descendant of David, as in the word and is kind of giving another word to further define the first word. And this use of the conjunction K in the book of Revelation is very, very common. It's a very common way in which the book of Revelation uses its vocabulary. So we're well within our rights to assume that that's a legitimate possibility of what was intended by the author. So this would mean that Revelation 22.16 would be translated as, I am the shoot, even the descendant of David. And I think that in Revelation, it's far more likely that the word Reza means shoot, offspring, and branch, and not root, as it often is translated. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we explore First Clement, that is Clement of Rome, to see what he believed about God and Jesus. Is Clement of Rome an early Trinitarian, or is he a biblical Unitarian? Please look forward to our next episode. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can support us absolutely for free by subscribing, by giving us a five-star rating online, giving us an honest review, and of course, by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation, you can check out the episode description for a link to PayPal, or you can subscribe on the YouTube channel. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.